the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. Billy Hollowell. You know, he's 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 a friend and and frankly I owe him money. So uh we do this Faith Lift Fridays thing. I'm kind of whittling down my debt, but the vig is so high, I always seem to be farther behind each week when he sends me the note and it's like Look, uh, the original debt was this, but the VIG is in, so we're still behind. But Billy's here and, and helping us out. Happy Friday, my friend. Happy, happy Friday, Michael Pelka. I'm, um, I'm actually excited, cause in, not, not just because you're here, but uh, in two hours, we're going to talk to the guy who threw that bottle into the ocean at Cape May Point that had the lottery ticket in it. Oh, you know, you always you always find the most fascinating people. I will say that about you have this uncanny ability since I've known you to kind of go out there, find the person, track them down, and stalk them into appearing on your radio show. And you always end <laughs> like up with you. great interviews. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> like, exactly. That's what I have. It's actually very inspirational because I'm like, wow, there is somebody else who is like me who will who will stalk people into talking to them. No, great. I'm talking about you're one of the weirdos I've run into. Oh, 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 yeah. Well, that's a given. Absolutely. Well, you, you were in uh, you were on vacation a couple of weeks ago and you actually called in from the shore with your family, which I appreciated. And we were in uh, Ocean uh, Cape May, New Jersey. And uh, a, a, a wine bottle washed up on shore with a cork and inside was a message They're like oh, a message in a bottle. I'll take that. And inside was a note and a lottery ticket. But I, I tracked down the guy had put his email address in with the note, and I just tracked him down. And he's gonna he's gonna join us and explain what the heck he was doing because it's really an interesting story. But I love that, and I love Cape May. Cape May is an amazing, amazing place. I usually go there every year, so we missed each other this year. I went to Maryland instead. Well, I will tell you this: uh, my first time at Cape May. It's beautiful. There's a lot of history there, which you know I love. Uh, I walked around trying to pick up some of the history, but there, there's also a lot of relatives of Snooky in the situation still lingering. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of, and as an, as an Italian who goes to the Jersey Shore, I will tell you, um, we loved Maryland more because it was more families. You know, there, there are families that came me, but it, yeah, it's a lot more Jersey Shore feel, MTV sort of. It's, it's an in-between place. That's what I call it. It's a lot of yeah. young people and a lot of families, but well, you found the a, families, a lottery ticket. The, the families that we saw were the Sopranos and the Gambinos, as far as I'm concerned. That's usually, that's usually our family. We're usually with them. It's, it's great. <laughs> well, I, I met some of your relatives. This, uh, the lovely people, I'm just saying, in case anyone's listening. My so, in-laws so, are there right now. They're actually driving home today, so maybe you ran into them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave it right there. Uh, Billy, oh. you, what are you up to at uh, Faithwire? What's the, what's the hot story? I saw something about churches falling down in terms of what they should be doing with people with mental illnesses. Yeah, that was, you know, so we just recorded our Pure Talk. We have a show that we do with Pure Flix on the Pure Flix Facebook page. We do it um, every few weeks, and we just recorded an episode with Jared Wilson, who's a pastor. He's got a book coming out um, in September, and it's about mental health, and it's called Love is Oxygen. And he basically, he's a young guy, he's like in his early 30s, he went through severe depression when he was 19 years old. He found himself in a car Googling painless ways to take my own life um, and overcame you know, 
overcame suicide and overcame anxiety. And so he's written this book. And really his argument is that a lot of churches, and I think it's, it's really interesting, and maybe there are a lot of reasons why this is the case, but a lot of churches have not done a great job on mental health. You know, it's been sort of ignored. There are some, you know, arenas in which people say, just keep praying, it'll get better, it'll get better. And, you know, prayer is a powerful thing, but when there's an underlying element, you've got to sometimes treat that. You know, it's not, uh, prayer is not always going to be all the time the thing that, you know, cures somebody when they're suffering from something clinical. So, you know, we had a really interesting interview with Jared just talking about his experience, um, and we've got that as a story written up on faithwire.com, but also um, you can watch the video of that interview and of Pure Talk. So that's one of the stories we've got. We've got a lot of stuff going on. It's like a, it's a wild world. There's also, actually, and these are, this is a, a simpler story, but the Benham brothers, you might remember them, uh, they mm-hmm. posted this photo of their dad's Bible. And I thought it was so interesting because, you know, we, we all try to keep our books looking really nice and not, you know, you buy a book, you want it to kind of look okay. But this Bible is written in, it's highlighted, it's underlined, and it's just a really cool image of an open Bible sort of showing that this is a guy who literally throughout his life has read this book, commented, and it took notes. And it was sort of a cool starting point for a reminder of sort of how we should, you know, maybe ponder things, you know, spiritual things more, think about our life, and for Christians, sort of read the Bible. So we've got that story, and, and it's gotten a lot of interest on our site. It, it reminds me of uh, the parallel often drawn between uh, faith books like the Bible and uh, the Constitution. You know, if, if they both sit unopened and unread, nobody can fully apply them or understand what they're supposed to be helping us with. So it is right. kind of an interesting thing. You've got a spiritual operations manual and a government operations manual. Right. And unless you you actually go in there, they're not going to really help you. They're just going to be something that gathers dust. And you've got to be familiar with it. And so it's interesting because I, I know singer Jordan Sparks also posted a similar picture of her Bible not that long ago. And it got a lot of attention because people are sort of like, wow, I mean, these people are pouring themselves into this, trying to understand it. And you're right about the Constitution. It's like, yeah, we could, we could talk about it all day, but if you haven't read it and you're not familiarizing yourself with it and keeping up on it, you know, you're in trouble. But I can't – I have to tell you this because I'm going to forget. My favorite story of the week, hands down, is Marco Rubio versus the Atheist. I don't know if you've seen this, but is it, the is Atheist that a, is that a wait? Is that a Japanese claymation movie? Marco <laughs> Rubio versus the Atheist. No, it should be. It, it is not. It should be. But the Freedom from Religion Foundation has come after Marco Rubio. They are demanding. I don't know if you've noticed, but since May he has been tweeting Bible verses every day on his Marco Rubio account. And they are arguing, the Freedom from Religion Foundation, that his account is a public account, that he posts government material and information about his career and what he's doing on it, and that by posting Bible verses, it's government speech, and it's illegal, and he needs to stop doing it. So they've sent him a letter making the demand that he stop posting Bible verses on his Marco Rubio Twitter account. And, I mean, this is a letter that goes on for a few pages. So they've, they've tried to build quite an argument for themselves. And my favorite part is they use the book of Matthew. They point back to Jesus' words about not praying in public to try to shame him. They're like, look, if you're not going to listen to the Constitution, you should listen to Jesus. And then they quote Jesus against Marco Rubio. It's it's very entertaining. I find that fascinating when the (laughs) atheists are better versed on the verse than many people out there in the world today. 
<laughs> oh, what's funny about it, too, is that, you know, of course they don't have the context. They don't have the information on the verse. They're just throwing this proof text out. And I always laugh when atheists go back to the Bible and try to use it to sort of validate why they are mad at Christians about something. Um, but look, yeah, it's the Marco Rubio Twitter account. It's his account, and so he's tweeting things about his job as well. I don't see a problem with that. I would not consider that account government speech, a government account. When he's done, if he is done with politics, it's still his account. It's not like this is coming from an official Senate account. So it's just sort of bizarre and silly to me, and it's yet another ridiculous battle. And I think you know, I, sometimes I want to do PR for, and I obviously wouldn't, but for atheists and Democrats, because they always overextend themselves on things. And it's like, if you just dialed it back 10 steps, you know, maybe Donald Trump wouldn't be president. Maybe you would have been able to get Hillary in, but you always overshoot. And I think that's what they do. And that's what the atheists are doing here. Well, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up. That story is on Faithwire under Billy Hallowell's byline. Atheists use Jesus's own words to demand Marco Rubio immediately stop tweeting Bible verses. <laughs> I, love I it. am rubber. You are glue. Whatever scripture I quote bounces off me and sticks to you. <laughs> you, you just can't make this stuff up. It's, it's almost like in the Freedom from Religion Foundation offices, and they're probably going to start tweeting me for saying this, but yeah, they just they had a really slow day. There was nobody to sue, and so they were like, you know what, we're going to send a letter to Marco Rubio. Well, there, it's funny you bring up the Freedom from Religion Foundation because I'm not sure if this happened yet, but there is a tiny prayer chapel on a campus in Oklahoma, a tiny one, Billy. We're talking, you, you'd have to go outside... <laughs> to bring in a second Bible and fold it up and bring it. It's tiny on this little bitty school in Oklahoma. And uh, the Freedom From Religious Foundation has sued them because there is a cross atop the chapel and they want the cross cut off of the steeple and they want crosses and any Bibles inside a chapel to be removed um, and it's the same same lovely people from the Freedom From Religion Foundation. They sued a tiny school because the school can't afford the, the lawsuit. Right, so, and a uh, lot of people will just back down. They'll just back away. It's fascinating to me that people get so worked up over something they don't believe is real. You know, it's so offensive and unbelievable that something would be there. Yeah, and, and it's fascinating because really what this boils down to is, sure, is ensuring that only one other viewpoint can exist, and that's what we've seen happen in schools and everywhere. Sure, you know, the, the religious viewpoint can't be there, but the secular one absolutely can be, and that's the right one. That's the one that we should be pushing, and there's a whole set of values there that they always end up you know, you know, sort of pushing on people. And I just think it's so it's so interesting. They're not always wrong, but I think they pick a lot of silly battles. No, stupid battles. And it's it's infuriating to me because it exposes the juxtaprogressivism, the contradiction between what they say are these open and accepting beliefs and the lack of any understanding of anyone else's point of view or worldview. And it just it. it, it violates all of the things that i stand for in free speech there's nothing offensive about a nativity i mean goodness when christmas comes i laugh every time it's it's a mother a father and a baby that's the least you can say and there's nothing offensive about it it's a holiday that 90 some odd percent of the country celebrates and if they say they don't celebrate it religiously they're silly because it's a religious holiday so you know you're not celebrating christmas if you're not celebrating what it's really about you're celebrating some other thing some other secular thing which is fine you're free to but 
anyway, I could go on and on. And I, I think these people just need to find hobbies to fill the time when there aren't legitimate cases to file. I hope so. I hope they can find some hobbies. Here's my assignment for them, Billy, as we check out this week. Uh, how many state constitutions mention the word God? Because the U.S. Constitution explicitly never mentions God, but state constitutions do. We'll discuss next week. That's your homework assignment. I wrote a story about it, so I can't wait to talk about it. The Blaze Radio Network. On Demand.